The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. Hey, ACF Church, good morning. Hey, how many of you think that you're at first service? Awesome. Very cool. Welcome. You're not. This is second service. So well done. Every year I get freaked out that my iPhone won't change over. So uh, I set six or seven alarms and it always does. Apple is so faithful. So anyway, um, I'm glad that you're here. If you're new, welcome. We're, we're, uh, we're glad to see you this morning. My name is Brian and I'm one of the pastors here. We're in a series called The Code. And the code is just all about us looking at scripture to figure out what is the code that we should live by. Um, all of us have a code that we live by. We have a certain grid by which we run all of our decisions through. And we make choices based on this certain code about life and about what we want to see uh, in this world. And so we, we want to go to scripture as the church and see what is the code that we should live by as Christians. And so if you're new, this is a this is a great series to be a part of. You get a taste of what the church is really about and what our vision is as a people. And so, um, oh, also, we're we're celebrating 12 people made decisions to follow Jesus this last week. Let's give God a hand. Come on. It's huge. You guys, that's so exciting. Um, it's really it's why we do what we do is just to see life change. And, and on top of that, we're seeing people plugged into groups and making relationships. We're seeing marriages get some help. Um, we're seeing families be reconnected. We're seeing a lot of really awesome things happening in this church. And so just keep, uh, keep praying that God's movement will continue in our city and uh, in us. So we're glad that you're here. Here's the code for today. It's this, we are agents of hope in dark places. We will live and act in the belief that God will redeem all things to himself. That is our code today. And our, our launching passage is Mark 1.15. It says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So have you ever been hunting? Who's a hunting person? Ever, ever been hunting? We got some hunters in the room. I am a hunter. Um, I just got to work what I got. I'm a hunter, so I'm going to tell hunting stories. Um, so... Can I tell you a hunting story? That's what I'm going to do anyway. So uh, hunting stories. So when I moved to Alaska, we had this grand plan of, of being uh, Alaskan hunters. And we wanted to get a moose and, you know, do all the, the great Alaskan things. And so myself and, and a couple of buddies, our first year here, set out to get ourselves an Alaskan moose. We didn't know what we were doing. And so we started driving down towards Seward and, you know, we're just kind of driving the road going, I'm sure one's going to come out any minute now and we're going to shoot him and it's going to be awesome. And it's not that easy if you've ever been hunting in Alaska. It takes a lot of work. But we did successfully find a legal bull moose up on a mountainside um, with the binoculars from the road. And so we're like, man, this is awesome. We found a legal moose, but he was across a river and up a big mountainside, probably a mile, a mile and a half away. So we came back the next weekend. We actually went and borrowed Mr. Dwayne. He's at the sound booth. He's got a boat, borrowed his boat, and crossed the river, and the moose was still there a week later, same field. So we're excited. You know, you're, you're working your way in on a moose. You've got a mile to hike, and, you know, you're popping out of the trees. Is he still there? And he's still there, and you kind of go a little farther, and he's still there. And, you know, we get up to the field where we're going to shoot this moose, and I, uh, I, I had dibs on the shot because I had spotted the moose. And one of the guys that we were hunting with was a very inexperienced hunter. He'd never shot anything in his life. So we're like, okay, you stay here in the corner of the field, and if anything walks by, you shoot it, which is code for get out of our way. We don't want to scare the moose off. You stay here. We're going to hike on this moose. And so he stays there, and we're, we're sneaking in on the moose, and we're in this field, and we're moving brush around, and we know that he's, you know, he's going to be here any minute. And then we hear, boom, from across the field, and then we hear, ah, yelling and stuff. We think Matt just shot himself in the leg. And so we go running across the field, and we're like, are you okay, are you okay? And there he is standing next to this beautiful, my beautiful bull moose. And so I worked through the frustration. After a few minutes, I was able to celebrate with my friend. 
And uh, it was just, it was amazing. It walked right by him. He was like, it came right by me. I took the shot. We're like, that's what we told you to do. So <laughs> congratulations, buddy. Uh, so it was just a beautiful Alaskan hunt. We're up on this mountainside. It's in the evening. The sun's kind of getting lower in the sky. And we thought, we better take care of this moose uh, and, and get our way out of here. And and so we, we take care of the moose. We get everything field dressed and in the bags and you know, it's just a mess. We're all, we're just covered and it's a messy situation and uh, the sun's starting to dip down. Well, on the way up the mountain, we actually ran across another hunter and he's like, where are you guys going? And we're like, where are you going? And he goes, uh, we're going after this bear right over here on this part of the mountain. I'm like, okay, awesome. We're going after the moose over here. So we're getting ready to hike out of the woods. We're covered in moose blood. Um, I mean, we might as well just have bear bait written on our backs. I mean, we are just smelling good to the bears. And so I go to my pack to get out my flashlight, and I'm digging around. And the sun's dipping below the sky, and I'm digging around, and I realize I've forgotten my flashlight. And not only have I forgotten my flashlight, but Matt has also forgotten his flashlight. Only one guy has brought a flashlight, and it's this little dinky headlamp that the battery's almost dead on, you know. And so... We proceed to hike our way down this mountain, and we've got a long ways to go, and it was the worst night of my life. Um, we hiked, I think, for 10 hours. We hiked all night long. We end up, the sun is going down, and we can't see a thing, you know, and you're, you're trying to adjust your eyes, and finally we just, we just sat down to let our eyes adjust, you know, and the moon comes out and we're, we're, we can kind of see in the woods, but we're just barely getting by and we're tripping over sticks and branches. And we start realizing we're going in circles and my one buddy starts freaking out. So he's like, the bears are on us and shooting shots in the sky. And I mean, it was a horrible, horrible night and uh, just trying to want. So, I mean, we made it, we made it out, but it was, it was rough. I mean, just stumbling through the woods with no way to really see where you're going, which which is a lot like our lives, isn't it? Um, I feel like a lot of us are kind of stumbling through life. Um, in this world, uh, it's a dark place. And you're like, yeah, we live in Alaska. It's, it's dark in Alaska. Uh, but the world itself is on a deep spiritual level. There's darkness around us. And I don't know if you see it. I don't know if you notice the darkness or if you uh, don't see it. I think what happens is our eyes kind of start to adjust. We start to get used to the darkness in the world around us, kind of, it's almost like this is just what we expect. And, and in fact, over time, we, we start to uh, not even be able to notice the darkness and the things in our world that maybe used to be seen as negative or, or hurtful to people or the things in our world that should be seen as wrong and unjust that we've kind of become numb to. We don't really notice it anymore. And so today what we're going to talk about is one of Jesus's favorite pieces of theology. It's called the kingdom of God. And he begins his ministry with exactly that, talking about the kingdom of God. And as you read through the Gospels, you read Jesus talking over and over again about the kingdom of God. It seems to be a very important piece of our understanding of what God is doing in the world. And I think it's an often misunderstood piece of theology that um, I think we can gain a lot of hope from. And so would you pray with me? And then we're going to open God's word. Jesus, we, we just invite you into this space. Father, would you illuminate the scriptures to our hearts, allow us to understand you better? God, we don't want to waste this time. We don't want to just space out. We just really want to press into you and be changed by you. God, so I just thank you for every uh, person that's in this room and everything that's gone on in our weeks that has brought us to this place in time right now. God, we just want to uh, come before you knowing all of that is there, both our mistakes and our successes. And God, we want to interact with you in a real and honest way. Father, would you uh, speak to us? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you can follow along in the insert that you got on the way in. You can also follow along online. Like uh, Travis was saying, you can open up our new website, and there should be a little tab that says notes to download them there at acfak.org. And you can follow along on a paper Bible if anybody still uses those anymore. Uh, That's good. Bring your paper Bible to church. I think it's good, too. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible, you can have the one that's in the seat in front of you, the black one. Um, That's yours to keep if you need one. But uh, again, Mark 115 is where we're hanging out today. And let's read this again. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, So Jesus has just spent 40 days 
in the wilderness. He's been tempted by Satan himself, which would have been pretty challenging. And he's come through all of this temptation. He's overcome it all. And he spent some time away, which is a really good pattern we see in Jesus' life, pulling away from the crowd, getting perspective, and then re-engaging with the crowd, uh, which I think is a good pattern for us. So he re-engages with the crowd, and this is basically his first sermon. Repent uh, and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so the question is, what is the kingdom of God? What is it? I think many people hear the kingdom of God, hear Jesus talk about it, and they're like, oh, he's talking about heaven. Because as we read through the Gospels, we see those terms used synonymously. We see kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. And then we see him saying that it's both near and it's at hand and it's here. So we hear some different language, like is it here, is it not here? And we're going to get to that in a minute. But the kingdom of God could basically be defined as as the, the reign of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And so the Jews in Jesus' day, they would have been thinking about the end. They would have been thinking about this, this brink of time where God would show up and he would free them from this Roman Empire. You know, he was supposed to send this great military leader to come in and to change their society. And they get Jesus, the suffering servant, coming to earth. And so the Greek word for the end is eschaton, which is where we get the word eschatology. If you ever heard people say, my eschatology is is good, I'm I'm talking about the end of times. That's the eschaton, it's talking about the end. And so they would have, the Jews would have seen Jesus and been like, okay, the end is near. The end is coming. This is God interacting with the world. There is something big going on right now. But then we know how the story goes. We see the crowds following Jesus And then we see them dwindle as he is crucified on a cross, taken away, drug away, and he dies. And I can imagine that you would have heard a pin drop, you know, in that in that upper room as he starts talking about, guys, I'm going to leave you. I can imagine that the people that thought Jesus was going to be this big leader are like, oops, I I guess I guess it's something else. I guess God's got to work some other way because that didn't work out. Jesus died. This man who was supposed to save us all died. So it's kind of like this. Could we kill the lights real quick? This is going to be fun. Yes. And it is dark. <laughs> You're like, hold on to your wallet. The Christian shut off the lights in the room. So anyway, so it's kind of like this. So there was perfect communion between humanity and, and God. It was, it was built as a perfect relationship. And, and God's interacting with Adam and Eve in the garden It's a beautiful thing. And then in a moment, in a moment of sin and weakness, we see all of that changing. We see sin enters the world and it's like someone shut the lights off. And everything changes from then on. We see darkness. We see brother fighting against brother. Children fighting against their parents. We see people fighting for authority. People killing each other. And so it's a dark world. I don't know if you see that the world is dark. I guess we can just talk about Anchorage in our area. Do you guys see that there's darkness in our city? It's a city covered with drug abuse, with broken relationships, with sexual assault. Just deep, deep deep-rooted selfishness. There's child neglect. There's anger. Broken friendships. I mean, we live in a dark city. One of the statistics I was learning this week, uh, that I was reading this week, it was interesting, talking about teenagers in dating relationships, that um, one in five teenagers are experiencing violence in their dating relationships now, which is just something to be aware of. That's kind of a new thing that's on the rise. It's just it's a it's a new trend of darkness within our within our in our society. In the church, this place isn't exempt. Right. All of us have secrets. All of us have issues within our very church. Our broken marriages are people who are experiencing uh, abuse. There are relationships that are hurting There are people with pasts and histories that you just can't let go of, addictions that you can't stop participating in, you know. Within the church, maybe we read our Bibles this morning, and by lunchtime you are toying with with sin, with all of the things that you know are not going to be helpful for, for you or for others. But it's a dark, dark world. And I don't think we can truly comprehend the light of Christ until we comprehend the darkness. We can't truly understand and appreciate Jesus until we hang out here. And I get that this is kind of awkward. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had people shut the light off in church before, but we need a generation who's willing to look the darkness in the eye. 
We don't need to act like it's not there. We need to be willing to be on our knees pleading with God for peace and for restoration in a society that is desperate for hope and looking for it in all of the wrong places. That's the job of the church. So we need to stop and we need to look the darkness in the eye. That's what we're doing here today. What about Satan? Is there a Satan? Is there a devil? I don't know if you believe in a devil or maybe when I say devil, you think of the little red guy with the pitchfork and the pointy tail. You know, that's kind of your way of seeing the devil, this kind of superstitious character. Or if there really is this dark force in this being that prowls around like a like a roaring lion trying to devour us. Do you believe that? Because as the church, we believe that we believe there's evil. Or maybe you don't like the idea of evil, so you reject it. You're like, ah, maybe it's not really Not really there. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in evil. Because Jesus believed in evil. He talked about evil all the time. I believe one of the biggest lies that is plugging the world today is this this feeling and this idea that we are good. At our very core, people are good. The world is good. Sure, we make mistakes now and then. There's a couple mishaps, hiccups, you know, lapses of judgment occasionally. But we we are really good people but that's not the bible the bible doesn't say that i was reading another statistic said 90 percent of people believe that they should go to heaven uh, which was funny because only 86 percent of people believe in heaven so that's kind of interesting but 90 percent of people think well i should go to heaven and if you ask most people why what would they say because i'm a good person i'm good i I mess up now and then, but at my core, I am pretty good. And so we have this word sin in the church that's become sort of a curse word. We don't like to talk about it. It makes people feel bad. And so we don't want to talk about sin, but but we have to talk about sin. We have to acknowledge the darkness. If we don't acknowledge the darkness, we'll never comprehend the light. So let's acknowledge the darkness. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3 said there is none that seek after righteousness, not even one. If you're like, no, it's me. It's not you. Nobody does. (laughs) Nobody seeks after righteousness, not even one. And so we become lost in our sin. And the Bible doesn't say that we're just kind of broken or hurting, not doing so good. The Bible literally says that you are dead in your transgressions dead completely dead no heartbeat not on life support nothing you are dead in your transgressions and so we have to look at the darkness because we tend to ignore it we want to see the bright side come on brian lighten up a little bit i mean we want to we want to be positive and think the best and so uh, i have a picture to kind of illustrate this have you guys seen this photo the internet shut down this week for this stupid picture. So, uh, this, if you don't know what's going on here, this guy in London, a photographer, captured this photo. And, uh, what we have here is a weasel and a hummingbird. And isn't it cute? And, and everybody's like, it's so sweet. When I look at that picture, I'm like, oh, it's precious. They're, they're friends. It's like they're reenacting the never ending story or something, you know? Have you guys, remember, you see that movie? That's old school stuff right there. Never ending story. The big dragon. Yeah, it's cute. I mean, you think that they're going to land and they're going to like have lunch together and hang out. It's like they're going to be best friends. The, the little weasel is friend with the hummingbird. But who knows what's actually going on? He's trying to eat the hummingbird. That's right. This isn't cute. This is murder. He's killing the hummingbird. Like, the pictures progress and the hummingbird goes to the ground. And I don't think they've got the shot, but literally the weasel is eating the hummingbird. But we're like, it's so sweet. It's so cute until we find out what's actually going on here. You know, I feel like what we tend to do is we nuzzle up against our our sin. We, we, we just we think that's ah, not hurting anybody. You know, it's not a big deal. Maybe as a Christian, you you get in cozy with the world and you become real close with it, you know, and you think it's not really hurting anybody. You know, I'm just trying to enjoy myself. I'm trying to have some fun. Or maybe you're like, ah, it's never going to go away. So I might as well just come to terms with this habit or addiction or whatever it may be. And we we cozy ourselves up and we convince ourselves that it isn't darkness, that it isn't sin, that it's not hurting anybody. 
Here's my question for you. Do you run from the darkness or does the darkness run from you? Do you run from the darkness? I think as Christians, when we see darkness, there's a discomfort and there should be. When you see injustices in the world, when you hear about women being abused by their husbands, when you hear about sex trafficking in Anchorage, if you don't get a little angry, man, I'm not sure that Jesus is speaking to you. You should get a little angry. It should be a little frustrating because it would be angering and frustrating to Jesus. So as the church, we should be frustrated and angry by the darkness. But we are in this world for a reason. So I'm just thankful that it doesn't end with the darkness, that there is hope. There's good news, right? Good news. Amen. You guys can participate. There's good news, right? Amen. Amen. Let's kick the lights on. Yeah. Light. It's uncomfortable, right? Anybody's eyes squinty? This is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to go from darkness to light. There's a moment, and maybe you can remember it if, you're, if you've been a Christian your whole life, but there's this moment when somebody turns the lights on and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how dark it was. I was so used to it, I had no idea. I'd become so cozy with my sin, I had no idea it was hurting me and hurting others. And it's kind of like this, it's almost blinding, isn't it? You've got to have to squint your eyes and you've got to get used to it. It takes, it takes some time to get used to the light. But this is what it's like if you, if you don't follow Jesus, there's a moment when the lights come on. And it all starts to make sense. And Jesus himself, praise God, he doesn't stay in the grave. Amen. He is resurrected, comes to life, conquers sin and death for all of humanity. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So do you run from the darkness or does the darkness run from you? When you come into a space where there's darkness, when you see issues in the world, do you run away? Do you cover your eyes and you're like, no, you know, I just want to look at the light. Or do you become the light by way of Jesus in dark spaces in our world? And that's my call to you today as the church. The Bible calls us citizens of the kingdom of God. We're literally citizens of of heaven. We look at this world and we say this world is not our home. This isn't where we live. We should not be cozy with it. In no way should we live like this place is our home. And when we see ourselves as citizens of heaven, it changes everything. It changes the way that we look at everything. As a, as a citizen of this world, what we do is we ask, how close can I get to the border without being deported, right? How close can I get to sin without actually getting kicked out you know i want to i want to go to i want to go to heaven but i want to experience as much of this world as possible but when you're a citizen of heaven you make your home in the ways of jesus that's where you feel at home that's where you are meant to be as a citizen citizen of this world you might see your job as a way to make money as a way to get some toys and get some good stuff as a citizen of heaven you see your job as a place of relationships as a way to gain resources to be used for the kingdom work that god places before you as a citizen of this world, you might see people as commodities, as people who are just here to serve us and to make us look better and to help us. As a citizen of heaven, we see people as image bearers, those who all bear the image of God and all are intrinsically valuable because of that. See, everything changes as, as citizens of heaven. First Peter 2.9 says this. This is to you, the church. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that beautiful? You've been called out of darkness into the light. You no longer have to live in the darkness. You don't have to live without hope. You have hope in Jesus so Jesus hits the scene and everything changes. Everything changes. And I was thinking about this this morning. It's interesting. Jesus shows up and starts preaching, preaching the, the kingdom. And he says, listen, the kingdom of God is here. And he hasn't even died and been resurrected yet. I love that. He just, it's like he just shows up to the game, hasn't even put his foot on the field to play yet. And he's like, I won. That's Jesus. 
I already won. Look at me. I'm here. I love it. Jesus comes and he says, listen, the kingdom of God is here. God wins. God wins. That's how you need to live. It's time to shift your thinking. God wins. So Jesus shows up and he does it. He does a few things. The first thing he does is he initiates the kingdom. Jesus initiates the kingdom. He starts something. He shows up into a space and something starts. It is never the same when Jesus walks in. It was like this whole new world was opened up that nobody realized could be possible through Jesus. So my question for you is, do you, do you initiate change? When you walk into a space, are people like, this is never going to be the same. This person changes things. You're like, well, yeah, they do. <laughs> they say that, but I don't change it for the better. And that's sometimes the case, too. Do you change things for the better when you walk into a space? Do you initiate good change? People are like, man, this is going to be better because Brian's here. I'm so glad they're here. Number two, Jesus shows the kingdom. He shows it. Luke 17, 21 says, or 17, 20 and 21 says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Again, they were looking for this military warrior to come in and overthrow Rome. Jesus shows up as the suffering servant, blows all their expectations out of the water. He says, listen, the kingdom of God is here. It's with you. It's all around you. Jesus shows them the kingdom by the way he lives. They may have wanted him to come in power and in might to overthrow things. Jesus comes as this subversive leader. From the ground up, Jesus builds the kingdom. And that's how we're to do things. That's how we initiate change. Is, is we're, we're to show people what the kingdom of God looks like by the way that we live. We actually reveal peop, the kingdom to people through how we live. Through the way that we love. Which is, which is awesome. Which is a great opportunity. How cool is that? We get to show people the kingdom. Let me ask you a question. Are you nice? Are you a nice person? People see you as, as nice now, nice might seem like a shallow aspiration. It's like, yeah, it's Brian. There's deeper things than nice. But I will tell you, I believe the church should be nice. I believe that people who are Christians should be nice. And I believe that because I watched Jesus, and Jesus was pretty nice. He was a nice guy. Now, now I know what you're maybe saying is, wait, there's that table thing, right? Remember Jesus flipping over the tables and the money changers, there's all that going on, and the thing is, when you look at Jesus, you know who he kind of got not nice to? The religious hypocrites. That's who Jesus wasn't nice to. You know who he's really nice to? The broken sinners. And so I wonder, I wonder if you aren't, if you aren't loved by the sinners and hated by the religious, if maybe you look a little bit like Jesus. You know? Or are you somebody that religious people love and sinners hate? I just wonder. You know, I ask myself that a lot. Would the sinner love me? Would the sinner appreciate? Am I nice? I think I think as believers, we should be nice. And and that's not as if to say you can't confront things, but you can do that in a nice way. And you can be angry, even righteously angry, but you can do that in a godly, God honoring kingdom way. There are right ways and wrong ways to do that. So be nice. Try, Try being nice. Have grace. With people, I think it's going to go a long ways. The fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, anger. No, no. Self-control, right? I mean, again, there's a place for anger. But put it in its place, right? Be a nice people. And I think you're going to, I think you're going to show people the kingdom. Right? Because Jesus is like this. Welcome all. Come all who are weary. I'm going to give you rest. That's, that's Jesus. So we as the church, we should be like that. Welcoming. Open arms. Number three, Jesus speaks the kingdom. He speaks it. Luke 8, 1. Soon afterward, he went on through the cities. This is Jesus. And the villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Jesus takes his posse, goes from town to town. Preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. Preaching the good news of God's reign on earth 
as it is in heaven. That's awesome. He speaks. So I think the church, I think what's happened is many times we have bought into a, uh, I think, unbalanced view of what it means to be Jesus to the world. So there's been a trend, I think, in, in, in recent years, and I think mostly a good trend, to, towards something called lifestyle evangelism. Anybody ever heard that term? It's a very churchy term. Lifestyle evangelism. It simply means I'm going to show Jesus to people by the way I live. I'm going to love my wife well. I'm going to love my kids well. I'm going to do good at my job. I'm going to care for people. I'm going to help people. And that's how I'm going to show people Jesus. Which is awesome because I think that is absolutely half of what we should be doing. The other half is to actually speak. And this is where it gets uncomfortable. This is where we kind of clam up and go, I don't know what I would say. I don't know what I would do. Should I really speak? Because maybe you've got that image of the guy on the street corner with the repent, you know, or you're going to hell sign. And you're like, I don't want to be that guy. Um, you don't have to be that guy. I think what you're called to do is build friendships, build foundation, build relationships. Don't just speak. You don't always have to speak, but there will come a time where you're going to need to speak. You need to share the reason for your hope. Somebody's going to ask. But then there's a time where you don't wait for them to ask and you just share it. Why? Because Jesus has done everything for you and you couldn't stand but share it. How could you keep it in that God has changed you? And so there will come a moment, and I would say for you, if, if, if you've never written out your testimony, and your testimony is simply your Jesus story, like what happened? If you know Jesus and you've got a story of what he's done in your life or how he's changed you or that moment where the lights came on, go home today and type it out. Type out a couple pages of your story and then speak it. Speak it to the mirror in the bathroom. Share it with your wife or your husband. You know, sit down with your parents and share it with your parents. Work on sharing your Jesus story because you don't have any more powerful of, of a tool to, to present the gospel to people than what God has done in your life. So you need to know your story. You need to think about it. Often think about what has God done in me and be aware of it so that when there, then that moment shows up, you're ready to share. Hey, this is what Jesus did. This is how he's changed me. And I, I want to I see you experience the hope that I've experienced. So, so go home and do that. Be ready with an answer. Be ready with an answer. Jesus, he speaks the kingdom. Number four, Jesus, he sends the kingdom. John 14, 12. says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. You ever read that verse? Interesting. Jesus says, greater works than me. So at first you're like, wait a minute, but you're Jesus. How great of things have you done? Again, we always want to realize we're not Jesus in the story, right? There's only one Jesus in this whole book, and that's Jesus. It's not us. But he's saying, you will do greater things than me. That's a pretty amazing claim. Think about that. What does that actually mean? He's not saying that we are greater than him. Certainly, we as people will not be greater than Jesus. He is God himself man on earth. And so we will not be greater than Jesus. But what he's saying here, most scholars believe Jesus is referring to the movement of the church. That we as the church collectively will do greater things. I mean, Jesus did amazing things. He performed miracles, you know, healing the blind, walking on water. That's cool. I want to do that. I mean, he did some cool stuff. Jesus, you know, feeding the 5,000. He did amazing, amazing things. He's saying, you guys, you're going to do greater things collectively as the church think of the difference between one man doing miracles and hundreds and thousands of people performing miracles in the name of jesus that's a movement right that is amazing amazing stuff what does this really mean for us i think what it means is you have everything you need within you to change the world you have everything you need everything you possibly need God has equipped you entirely through something called the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus had the Holy Spirit residing in him in the church. We see in Acts, we see the Holy Spirit descending on the people. And so we as the church, we have what's called the power of the Spirit within us. And so that means we have the power of Christ, all of it. 
People, it's funny, when you, if I asked you, how do you know that Jesus was God? A lot of people might say, well, you look at the miracles. But actually, that's not. That's not what you go to in Scripture to, to say that Jesus was God. Why? Because you're not God and you can do miracles. That's cool, right? That's pretty awesome stuff. And so we have everything within us that we need to do miracles. And maybe you're like, well, Brian, that's cool. I, I remember, you know, I was reading something or heard a story about these amazing miracles that happened in the Bible, but God doesn't work like that anymore. Yes, he does. God works like that all the time. We see that on a global scale. We talk to our international workers. We're part of this movement called the Alliance that sends people globally to share the gospel. And, and I hear tons of stories there. And then I think even right here, miracles happen all the time. I wonder if you see them. Do you see them? I just think about my life. I'm still married. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. My wife, good woman. She's a good woman. We're still married. I think of my kids. They're not that screwed up yet. That's a miracle. That's awesome. I mean, the breath in your lungs right now, the fact that your heart is beating, you are a walking miracle. And I don't know if you know it, or you realize it, you acknowledge it, but God is, God is doing miracles. So you have everything that you need to change the world. So my story, I was climbing down the mountain with my buddies. We're coming out of the hills. You know, hiked all night long. Finally, we get out. And the sun's just kind of starting to come up. We get back to camp and, and we are just whooped puppies. I mean, it was a bad night. Worst night of hiking in my life. And so I'm, I'm soaking wet because it was, everything was covered in water. And, you know, I get out. And we get back to camp and I'm taking off all my clothes and I'm, you know, I'm pulling out all my gear and it's just dripping wet. And I, you know, I'm emptying out my pockets. I reach into the pocket of my coat. You know what I find? A stupid flashlight charged up, ready to go. I, I don't know how I missed it. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, I, we had the worst night of our lives hiking out of the woods. We could have been eaten by bears. I don't know. It was a horrible night, and I had a flashlight the entire time. You know how much peace a little bit of light would have given me in those woods? I mean, it was, it was horrible. I think about that for us, the church. I think there's going to be a day that we realize we had everything that we needed. You know that thing that you think God can't work in? He can, and he already has. You know, that, that piece of society that is broken and, and messed up right now that you think, man, that can never get better. God can, and he already has. That's the truth of the kingdom of God. And that's why this is so important to understand as the church is because there is real hope here. This isn't just wishful thinking. See, that's all the world's got. All the world's got is wishful thinking. You know, I just hope it gets better. This isn't empty hopefulness. This is the belief in the truth that Jesus came and brought the good news of the reign of God on earth. And one day we will see that imperfection, but today we can walk in what is to come. Isn't that good? Amen. That is good. That is really good news. So Jesus, he brings what people call the beginning of the end. But it's still messy. It's still broken. How many of you look at yourself and you say, okay, the Bible says I'm a new creation, then why do I still mess up? Why am I still such a wreck? Or maybe you say, okay, God, Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. He says you're reigning. I'm looking at the world right now. It doesn't look like you're reigning at all. See, we are caught in between. We're caught in between the, the return of Jesus, or we're caught in between the coming of Jesus and the return. And so we're going to be in this what's called the already not yet state of the kingdom. The already not yet state of the kingdom. It's this idea that he reigns and he is, he is in power already. And yet one day we will see that come in fullness. One day all things will be restored. And we will spend eternity on this, this glorified earth with glorified bodies. It's all going to be better one day. But right now it's still kind of a mess. But God's still in charge. It's the already, already not yet kingdom of God. That's why it's like he says the kingdom of God is here. And he says it's near. It's, it's hard to understand. But we're caught in the middle right now, which means we need to live for what's to come. So question for you. How many in this room plan on moving from the state of Alaska in the next, I don't know, the next two years? Like half the room, like first service. 
Isn't it crazy? There's so many people that move in our church. Last week, I was like, how many of you were here for Easter last year? And I think eight of you raised your hands. I'm like, wow, this is, this is wild. So I grew up as a military kid. My dad was in the Air Force. He was in there for 30 years, retired as a chief, and uh, proud of him. He did a great job just uh, growing up, taking care of us as a family. But we moved all the time. I hated moving. Ugh, I got so sick of moving. I never wanted to move. And so when I would catch wind that we were moving, I would go into this mourning process. Anybody deal with this? Where I would just like hide in the basement and eat pizza rolls and drink Mountain Dew for days on end and just like disconnect from the world. And I'm just, I'm just going to hide it because we're moving. And I know it's a year and a half away, but we're moving. And, and it's just it's hard, right? Because you know it's coming, but you're not you're not there yet. So you're caught you're caught in the middle. And so there's a couple responses I think people typically have when it comes to moving away. Uh, the first might be disillusion. Just act like it's not there. Nope, not going anywhere. Just gonna act like it's not there. Maybe you're like, I'm never gonna move. I'm never gonna go anywhere. I'm just gonna live like like it's not gonna happen. Act like it's not gonna happen. I'm just gonna hang out and enjoy this place. Hebrews 13:14 says, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. You guys, as the church, we have to know that this is not our home, that we will not spend eternity here. One day, our time's going to run out. And so we shouldn't live like this is our home. We shouldn't snuggle up next to the world and, and, and snuggle up next to our sin and say, well, it's just it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to enjoy it while I'm here and go to the next life. That's not living in honor of the kingdom. It's not honoring what Christ did on the cross. We have to know, no, a move is coming. It could be soon. It could be tomorrow. It's, it's imminent. It's coming. But some people, they wander around lost in the woods their entire life, just, you know, acting like nothing's going to change. Acting like we're going to be here forever. You know, the older you get, the more you start to realize, I am not going to live forever. You know, this body's wasting away. Anybody feel like your body's wasting away? You're like, this is not going to last. Or maybe you respond with disconnect. Maybe it's disillusion or maybe it's disconnect. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. She says, this is not our home. We're not going to be here forever. But while you're here, worship God. Offer praises to God. Don't neglect to do good in his name. Share what you have with the world. That's what we're called to do. While you're here, use your opportunities. Don't just disconnect. And I know many of you feel this. If you're going to move away soon, we see this in our life groups. We see this in relationships. You know you're going to move, and so you pull away. Or maybe when you first get here, maybe you're just fresh to Alaska, and you're like, oh, I'm just struggling. I don't really know if I want to connect. You just got to jump in, right? You just got to jump in and make relationships and, and invest everything you can into every moment that you have because your, your, your moments are numbered. So we want to, you want to utilize every second. So I get that we, we just want to get on to the next life. I think as we get older, there's this tendency to just kind of have this, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I just, I'm waiting for heaven. You know, I'm just, I just want to go to heaven, man. My body's falling apart and everybody's shooting each other in the world. And I just, just get me to heaven, you know, and there's hope to be experienced here now. That is not a biblical worldview to just wait for heaven. It's interesting, there's this place that the, uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance, the denomination we're a part of, they built this place for our global workers, people who have spent a lifetime sharing the gospel in other countries. And they built this, I think it's called Shell Point or something. It's this, this retirement community in Florida on an island. And so their big idea was they're, they're going to send these people away onto this island and they're going to hang out in this retirement community and, I don't know, play tennis until they die, you know, just spend the rest of their lives there. And it's amazing how unpopular of an option that was. Like, it seems really nice and the heart is great. I mean, what a great idea. How do we bless people who have spent their entire lives sharing the gospel in Africa? Absolutely. Let's, let's do that. But you know what they realized is after a lifetime of sharing the gospel, you don't just stop. You can't. You can't stop. Why would you stop? So people that do that, they just, they can't help it. So like, get me off this island around some people that need Jesus. I think that's how we need to be 
living, not disconnected from the world, not running from the darkness, not being afraid of the darkness, fearing the darkness, but by the power of Christ running into the darkness with the hope of Jesus. That's the call of the church. And if you don't believe there's an end coming, if you don't believe any of this matters, I guess just live it up. 1 Corinthians 15.32 says, If the dead aren't raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's all you get. Without Jesus, that's it. That's all you get. Just, I just hope you get all the toys that you wanted, and I hope that you enjoy every second that you can enjoy, and I hope you can eat and drink and be merry, because tomorrow you die. Man, I don't want that for you. I want want you to know there is is an end coming, but Christ offers you hope today, peace today. As the church, we can live the fullest of life in him. We have to look the darkness in the eye. We have to acknowledge it. We have to see our sinfulness and acknowledge that, listen, we are messed up and we are broken and and we are looking forward to a day when it's all going to be made right. But while I'm here, I'm going to be used by God. And you need to understand that ministry, the things that you're going to be called to do aren't just things that you're supposed to do for God. They're things you're supposed to do through God. And I think if the church saw it that way, we would operate in power in ways that we've never seen. Like, I'm not just telling you to go get motivated. Go get motivated. I mean, I have good ideas. They last for like five minutes. You know, like, oh, that's a really good idea. I'm sick of that. Let's do something else. You know, I mean, don't just go get motivated. Tap into the power that's already inside of you. People will see the church as a movement. And I think it's work. I think, you know, I said earlier, we're seeing people's lives get changed. People are experiencing the truth of the gospel here at our church because you are reaching into relationships. You are inviting them to church. Thank you for doing that. You know, you can't do anything better than share the gospel with somebody. How could you love somebody any better? And so thanks for being a part of that. I think that that's awesome. And I want to see that continue in our city. So we've got some great things planned as a church to reach out to our community. And I believe that God is going to show people the kingdom through all we do as a church. So again, do you run from the darkness or does the darkness run from you? Do you run from the darkness or does it run from you? So start off with the idea that you're weak. Start off with the acknowledgement that you can't do this alone. That you need Jesus. And then be light and dark places. And this begins, again, with just confession and acknowledgement to God and to each other that we are messed up people. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Real simple. If you conceal your transgressions, you're not going to prosper. You're not, no peace for you. You want peace? You want hope? You can't have peace and hope by hiding your transgressions, by acting like they're not there, by ignoring them. It's not going to work. But he who forsakes them or who who shares them will and confesses them will obtain mercy in Jesus. I've said this before. You can't be too bad for Jesus, but you can be too good for Jesus. If you don't think that you're weak, if you, don't, if you think that you can do this on your own, if you think at your core people are basically good people, then you, then you try doing it on your own. But I know in my life, I can't do it. I know in my life, I come to the end of myself and I realize that I need grace. And that's what we as a church want to do together. And when you realize that, the best hope comes from there. Jesus loves to, to draw the, the, the greatest hope, the brightest lights from the darkest places. And so if you're messed up here today and you're like, I don't know if I should even be in this church because, I mean, look at my life. I want you to know you're in good company. This is the place for you. This is the place for messed up, messy people. That's what the church is for. It's where we acknowledge that we are dark on the inside. We have messy, broken tendencies and we need grace. So I'll confess this. I often hate the darkness. I can cast stones at the darkness. I can look at people and I can say, well, they made their own bed. They can sleep in it. Instead of being an agent of hope in dark places. And so that's my call to you today. Look for the darkness. Be aware of the darkness. Maybe there's something in your life that that you have gotten cozy with that you need to press out of your life. Or maybe there's someone that just makes you uncomfortable that has some darkness in their life that you need to be around by the strength of Christ in you. 
Maybe you need to share. You need to speak up. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you've just been waiting and waiting and waiting. Someday I'm just hoping maybe they ask me about Jesus. Maybe you just need to share your story. Just share your Jesus story with them. Work on it. It's a powerful, powerful tool. That's my prayer for you today, that you would be agents of hope in dark places. Let's pray together. Jesus, we need your grace. Father, we confess that we're many times uh, selfish, self-sufficient. God, we think that we can do this alone. God, we get motivated and do all kinds of things for you without doing things through you. God, maybe we ignore our sin because it's ugly and we don't want to look it in the face. Father, we all come before you collectively as people that need your grace. Each of us have that one thing in common. We are all broken. We are all dead in our transgressions. We are all sinful. And so, Jesus, we come for you to, before you and just ask for you to forgive us. Father, we need a new week. We need a change in our lives. We need this next week to, to honor you more, Father, and we can't do it alone. God, we can't change ourselves. We need you to change us. So, God, I pray for us as a church and as a community that we would trust in your strength. God, I pray for those in this room that are on the edge of following you, Father, that they would take that first step and make their confession. God, in that covenant to just follow you and to trust you. God, we don't have all the answers. We can't fix all the problems. We trust that you will take up the slack and use us as a weak people. God, so would we just be agents of hope in dark spaces this week? Would we be the aroma of the kingdom? God, I pray that people would see us coming. They would hear our, our words and see what we do, God, and they would see that there is hope in this world, not just something to come someday, God, but hope right here and right now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you.